Previously on Transformers University, we talked about the 1985 Autobots as they entered the toy line, and today we're going to the evil side and talking about the 1985 Decepticons, all right now on Transformers University. Hello, my friend, and welcome to Transformers University. I am your host, Anthony Brucalli, owner, operator, mastermind behind tfu.info and this podcast and if you haven't been up on the news then uh, I would like to just remind you one more time if you haven't seen The Toys That Made Us season 2 on Netflix the Transformers episode is an excellent place to start and it's also partially because I was the consulting producer on that episode and it was a lot of fun it's kind of the impetus for this show so if you found the show from uh, following the news or from searching my name off of the show, then I welcome you. I hope you uh, go back, start from the beginning, give it a good listen because there's a lot of good stuff uh, in the previous 19 episodes. But here today, episode 20, we are talking some more toys. And this time it is the Decepticon side of the coin in 1985. Now, back in episode 15, we talked about the Autobots. So let's do a quick recap about that year 85 had the rub signs introduced to the transformers line so anything from 84 got re-released as well but with a rub sign sticker to basically mark the toy as authentic hasbro product and to keep people from being confused uh, as to some of the competitors and other toys licensed in the u.s so that means Megatron, Soundwave, all the cassettes, as well as the Seeker Jets, Starscream, Thundercracker, Skywarp, all got reissued in 1985 as part of the line. Now, there were far less Decepticon toys in 85 compared to the Autobot toys. And most of the 85 Decepticon line was actually teased by the TV show or the comics. Namely, one character in particular who was in the first episode of the cartoon, and that is Shockwave. So we'll start with Shockwave. Uh, Shockwave was one of the toys not licensed from Takara in 1985, but was licensed from a company called Toyko. Uh, and it was sold originally in Japan as the Astro Magnum. And the G1 Shockwave toy has an appeal even today to today's younger fans. And for more on that, I'm going to hand it off to our resident young fan, Eric Crownover of Steel City Bots. The thing that I really love about G1 Shockwave is that it actually is a bit more accurate than most of the G1 toys. To me, at least, it seems like it it, it matches the on-screen appearance much more than the majority of other characters I'd be interested in. Uh, and, in fact, it is one of the few G1 toy molds that I actually do own. Uh, for that very reason, that it looks more accurate, to me at least, than the majority of other G1 toys. And the fact that it also has more uh, articulation that I find useful in the arms and stuff. So I really like that. There's, While I really appreciate G1 toys, I don't necessarily have a ton of the molds. Uh, but certainly one of the ones I do own, and one of my favorite of all time from the G1 toy line, is indeed Shockwave, who had the original... Uh, six shot uh, 
space gun mode before six shot did so therefore is the original upside down submarine i'm just pointing that out i think that's pretty cool that back then he was the first upside down submarine since megatron was a real gun he's a space gun so he can pass if you turn him upside down he's also a submarine i'm just saying and you can catch more of eric and his younger views over at steel city bots on the nerdy geek talk network wherever you find your favorite podcasts now shockwave turned into as the comics call it a space gun and he is purple and early versions of the figure have the military operations commander without a rub sign so that toy must have come out fairly early in the 85 line to not have a rub symbol in an interesting note um as a kid, I had a gray shockwave, uh, as many people my age probably did. Uh, I had always thought it was some sort of knockoff. It turns out Toyco also licensed the shockwave mold to Radio Shack, and Radio Shack sold it in gray, and that is uh, lovingly referred to these days as Shackwave. Every Christmas, Santa's little helpers go shopping at Radio Shack. Now, one of the interesting features on shockwave aside from being uh, a giant purple space gun is that he featured lights and sounds but the evil decepticons have a secret new weapon shockwave and just a note on the size of the figure he was paired in his commercial with jet fires and they're roughly about the same size around that 12 inch tall figure size moving on Hasbro did import more Diaclone toys, uh, as we saw back in episode 15 with the Autobots, but they also brought some in for the Decepticons. Also teased in season one of the cartoon, the Constructicons were carried over from the Diaclone line. Uh, they were in Diaclone as the construction vehicle Robo. Uh, the original toys in Japan before being brought over were uh, available in two different color schemes, uh, either a combination of orange and red spread across the six figures and the combiner, or a combination of orange, red, and blue. Speaking of it being a combiner, this was the first Transformers combiner, most likely done to compete with Voltron, which was on the air on TV at the time, and the emerging GoBots line, uh, which also had a variety of figures that could combine, such as the power suits, which were armor for the toys to wear and combine with. Now the Constructicons, they break down into six individual figures. Bone Crusher, Scavenger, Scrapper, Long Haul Mixmaster, and Hook. Most of them have functions that reflect their role in constructing things, such as Long Haul, who is in charge of transport, and Scavenger and Bone Crusher both have demolitions. But the interesting one of note here is Hook, who is listed as the surgical engineer and this is probably the closest thing the Decepticons will have to a doctor for a very very long time and of course if you bought all of the individual figures you could combine them into Devastator in the world of the Transformers nothing is what it seems meet the Constructicon six evil robots that transform into one mechanical giant the Transformers sold separately from Hasbro now, the Constructicons were each sold separately, but they were also sold in a gift set. And this is actually something very unique to the first generation of Transformers, being that the combiner 
toys were all available individually if you wanted to collect them one at a time, and then eventually were available as part of a gift set. And the gift set, in addition to having all the f figures to make up the combiner, so in this case all six, it also had a tech spec for Devastator. So it was the only place you could read the bio of the combined robot and Devastator. And of course, this was before the internet, so the back of the gift set box was the only place you would be able to find these things. And Devastator is listed as a warrior with uh, some unique abilities. And of course, he is mentioned as being slow, awkward, and not too bright. And the commercial for the gift set has a little bit of a confusing message at the end. Constructicon's gift set sold separately from Hasbro. That's right, the gift set is sold separately, which <laughs> doesn't really make much sense to me, but uh, other characters that were sold separately and also introduced in 1984 in the cartoon, but later showed up in 85 in the toy line, were the Insecticons. And you had your basic level Insecticons, which were Kickback, Bombshell, and Shrapnel. And as they were portrayed in the show, they could create clones of themselves. So this is probably the earliest uh, form of troop builder figure from the first generation from Transformers overall. Also interesting to note on Kickback, Bombshell, and Shrapnel, their functions respectively are espionage, psychological warfare, and electronic warfare. Now, Shrapnel's uh, function and tech spec more leans towards it being electric warfare versus electronic warfare. But in this day and age, that would almost make them kind of like spies that create misinformation and, and false Facebook stories and stuff. Uh, but back in the 80s, I guess they all kind of held a different meaning. Now, for me personally, uh, I had Bombshell growing up and he was one of the few Decepticons I had. And because he was a fairly prominent character, he um, he was my Decepticon leader as a kid uh, because I really didn't have that many Decepticons. Uh, and for Gabriel Owens, the salty sea man, Kickback holds a special place with him. Hey folks, Salty Seaman here doing a review of uh, Kickback from the uh, 1985 uh, release of Transformers. Uh, this was one of my earliest toys. I got him uh, along with another, just, I had a big batch of Decepticons for Christmas, my third grade uh, Christmas year, including uh, both triple changes at the time, Astro Train and Blitzwing, Hook, and uh, Kickback, who of course immediately became my favorite Insecticon because he was the toy I had. Uh, you know, he's a, uh, it's still, still probably my favorite. Uh, I, I, he's, his, his mode, his alt mode is, a kind of a grasshopper locust type, uh, insect. And, uh, he has kind of a bit of a fun transformation. Uh, definitely interesting in, in terms of, uh, in, uh, grasshopper locust mode, uh, his front two legs are, uh, segmented, and they turn into uh, they they come they kind of get put together as arms, which is a, a bit of a different uh, style of engineering than we see on a lot of the uh, the other toys. Unfortunately, they're also very uh, very brittle. Uh, I you know I my original toy I broke uh, one of the uh, one of the uh, segmented arms off, 
And the version I currently have is also missing one of those arms. So it's that, that, that was kind of a, I believe, a, a normal problem with this toy. But I mean, overall, it, the look is the look is really cool. Uh, he has a, uh, you know, he doesn't really have a peg to hold a gun. He has like just it kind of, a, it's, the gun kind of clamps onto his arm in robot mode. Uh, the head just kind of swivels around where it looks like a, you know, an insect head. Just kind of turn the head around. It's an insect head uh, with antenna. He has uh, wings. Uh, the back the back legs kind of uh, fold out into uh, into grasshopper mode. With the uh, the sawy little uh, back legs on it, and of course he also has the what was a mysterious thing as a kid with both the Insecticons and the Dinobots, a uh, a chest compartment that the weapon does not fit in, and there seems to be no real as a kid we had no rhyme or reason why there was this uh, the storage compartment on his chest, uh, which of course is uh, goes back to their Diaclone. Uh, uh, origins, but I, I definitely remember as kids, we were always, I mean, the, the Dinobots had seats on them, the Insecticons had these uh, these storage compartments, which were also seats, but we used to, uh, you know, uh, just kind of uh, discuss amongst ourselves, like, what it was for, and I, you know, there was like, the, the uh, what we generally dis- discussed was, uh, probably something was going to come later uh, that would make use of it, and it never did. But at the time, it, it, it was of great discussion on the uh, on the on the playground. I remember. Now, Kickback also has uh, wheels in his insect mode, like the rest of the Insecticons, uh, which which I find kind of funny. As you know, if you're used to other Beast uh, Transformers, they generally don't have or need wheels because I mean they I mean obviously Kickback would be jumping around so I, I always found it uh kind of funny they put wheels on him as well as having uh you know just having a beast mode you know like most uh most g1 toys the articulation in robot mode uh isn't great it's just kind of the engineering at the time but in terms of just just a look in both uh robot mode and uh locust mode you know i'll always really like kickback uh kickbacks look I love the uh, matching color schemes. Uh, you know, this is part of where we really establish early on the Decepticons. You know, have a lot of purple in their designs. Uh, we see that uh, also with the uh, the Triple Changers and a few of the other uh, subgroups. And just just aesthetically, I just I find him a very uh, a very pleasing and just, just a fun little toy. If not, you know, the greatest, uh, probably still my favorite. Uh, G1 Insecticon to this day. And of course, for more from the Salty Sea Man, check him out on his YouTube channel. I'll include a link in the show description for you. Oh, look! What is it? It's the Insecticon, an evil new menace from the world of the Transformers. But Kickback Bombshell and Shrapnel were not the only Insecticons released in 1985. There were also the deluxe insecticons now these were not imported over as former takara diaclone toys but in fact were imported over from a company called takatoku toys from their line armored insect battalion Beatras. so takatoku toys went out of business in 1984 and they were eventually bought by bandai now this is the same as what i mentioned back in the autobots episode back in episode 15 
So the designs for this, just like the deluxe uh, Autobot vehicles, Whirl and Roadbuster and Jetfire, were all bought by Bandai in Japan, but they had already been licensed in the U.S. to Hasbro. So subsequently, the deluxe Insecticons never appeared in any of Hasbro's U.S. media. So these characters never appeared on the cartoon. They never appeared in the Marvel U.S. comic. They had a small role in the Marvel UK comic. Uh, and these characters are Barrage, who is the gunner, uh, Chop Shop, a thief, Ransack, uh, the warrior, and uh, Venom, whose function is listed as psychological warfare, just like Bombshell now. It's uh, interesting to note that in Venom's tech spec, it refers to him as the leader. So I'm assuming he leads the deluxe Insecticons, but uh, take of that what you will. Now, jumping back to more toys coming over from the Diaclone series, Hasbro decided to bring out a few more of the jet molds, uh, the ones we call Seekers these days, uh, though they were never officially called Seekers until many, many years later. Um, this helped boost the ranks of the Decepticons. And for more on year two of Decepticon Jets, here's YouTube's very own Rodimus Primal. You know, it's really interesting to actually talk about Ramjet, Dirge, and Thrust. And the reason why is because in 1984, they released the F-15 uh, Eagle jet, you know, that was, you know, gray. And then they released the blue one as Starscream and Thundercracker. And then they released a new color scheme in black and purple uh, to be Skywarp. Well, now they released the mold again three times changing out the wings, um, giving them some of them new uh, weapons specifically for Ramjet and for uh, for Dirge, uh, but using the same, uh, you know, gun, gun for uh, Thrust. But what was really cool about Thrust was he actually had those, those um, VTOL wings, making him a very, very unique jet, even though it was the same exact mold transformed the same way. But the reason why I think that they did this was because... In 1984, they had the problem of only having so many Decepticons, so they decided to have them all be filler. There was tons of different color, you know, Starscream variants in the cartoon that never actually made it to toys or didn't have names until years later. And now, you know, here the second year, they're releasing three more, and they have names and personalities and everything else like that. And what was really cool about the cartoons interpretation of them is that they kind of mistransformed them actually putting the cones up um you know instead of folding them down and i think that was really really uh unique to make the characters stand out and is a way that i actually display uh all three of those jets on my shelf you know in comparison to the original three and having six decepticons in instead of just three you know to have to be following megatron was actually really cool as a troop builder uh prospect and knowing that they end up becoming more so generics even later on as the series went on is is also pretty cool and you can check Rodimus Primal out on his YouTube channel. Check out the link in the show's description. Joining the evil Decepticons, Thrust and Dirge. And what's also pretty cool about the Seeker Jet mold, the original one in general, is that all those wings and accessories attach via the 5mm port and plug system. 
And if you've been following my Twitter, you know that I've been kind of touting the greatness of the 5mm system and how it is probably one of the best things that the Transformers brand has adopted through the years. And it hasn't been consistent, but it has been consistent for the last uh, 10 or 15 years. Uh, And with that said, I did do a Patreon-exclusive podcast about the 5mm port, and you can check that out by subscribing to our Patreon channel, patreon.com slash tfuinfo. And that brings us to the final set of toys introduced in 1985, and that would be the Decepticon triple changers in Astrotrain and Blitzwing. And as the battle between the Autobots and the Decepticons rages on, Megatron creates Triple Changers, the most evil Decepticons of all. Now, the Triple Changers were brought over from the Diaclone line. And for more on Blitzwing, here is the gamer going gray, David Schulz. Blitzwing, released in 1985, was one of the two new Triple Changers added to the Transformers toy line. He transformed from a box to a box to a box. When the idea of brick formers comes into play, Blitzwing is right there. Really, he's supposed to be a Japanese assault tank and a Soviet MiG jet, but in reality, he's a box into a box into a box. A tank box, a plane box, and a robot box. There's not much to transform of him, but you can remove the turret to make a better little plane. Um, He comes with two accessories, a sword, a gun, and then some missiles, but the missile launchers were weakened for the American release. Blitzwing was originally released as Diaclone in a different color scheme, more of a green and white rather than his uh, tan and purple. I have a special story with Blitzwing. At some point I had gotten two Blitzwings from garage sales or flea markets or something, and in second grade... We had to bring a toy or some object to do bartering and trading with because we were learning the barter system. And I brought my Blitzwing and I traded it uh, with my friend for something. I don't even remember what I got, but I know one of my Blitzwings that didn't have any accessories or even the tank turret ended up with my friends. So, eh, I know he doesn't have it anymore, but I still have mine because I had duplicates. And you can check out David on his YouTube channel, Gamer Going Gray. And once again, the link will be in the show's description. Now, while he mentioned Blitzwing, I'm going to bring up Astrotrain because that was one of the few Decepticons I had as a kid. And it was also one of the first ones I bought a duplicate of, though I did it uh, much later as an adult uh, when I started getting back into collecting because I needed to replace part of his legs. Now, these triple changers, you have... They weren't always the sturdiest of toys, but they were, as David mentioned, a box into a box into a box. And Astrotrain uh, was one of those as well. And he was uh, a train, a very boxy robot, and a box with wings that was a space shuttle. And despite the fact that it was a box into a box into a box, all three modes are pulled off pretty well. Uh... In fact, on Astrotrain, the robot mode is probably the worst of the three because he has this pinhead and stubby arms. And that wraps up just basically what's in the Decepticon side of the 85 toy line. And it is certainly much smaller once you remove 
the toys carried over from 1985, but even compared to the Autobots of that year, there were far less Decepticon figures. But overall, as a toy line of Autobots and Decepticons, the 85 line is very big, and this is important because it sets the stage for where Transformers as a brand was going to go, and that is around the world. So a massive success in the U.S., this would propel Transformers into being a worldwide phenomenon. And we'll talk about that on a future episode of Transformers University, but that will wrap things up for now. I am your host, Anthony Brucalli of TFU.info. If you'd like to get in touch with me, social media, it's Twitter, at TFU underscore INFO, TFU underscore info, and on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, any of those, dot com, slash TFU INFO, TFU info. And of course, if you'd like to join our Patreon, help support the show, please swing by patreon.com slash TFU info. You can join for as little as $1, and all the proceeds go to help keeping this show going and bringing some special, special content to you. And the Patreon subscribers will tell you there is a lot that comes their way either first, such as this show, they heard it at least a day before you did, or exclusively to my students at Patreon, such as uh, show notes. Uh, I do a lot of notes and research for the show, and I will pass those along to my patrons, and also just a heads up as to what's to come, plus uh, insights into what I have going on with the site and with the video channel at youtube.com slash info. This is your first time here. If you're coming off of the toys that made us and you're learning about Transformers now, then I welcome you. Uh, as I mentioned way back in episode zero, this show is not just about the history of the Transformers brand, but also an exploration into what we love about the brand. So I hope you love the brand. I hope you love this show. Be sure to subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes or Google Play or wherever you listen to this show. And we got a lot more coming. So until next time, see ya.